good morning, all. Go ahead and have a seat. Uh, Everyone, it's good to see you. My name's Andrew. I'm one of the ministers here. I want to take time to say hello to those watching at home via the live stream this hour. Uh, a few uh, items, uh, events for us to be mindful of, and then we'll dive right into the last uh, uh, message of this series. Uh, first is this coming Friday and Saturday, we are offering two identical small group leader trainings. And if you're a small group leader, hopefully you know all about that and are planning on attending one of those. Uh, but we wanted to kind of share this with everyone because every now and again, you, someone might be thinking, you know what? I'm curious about this whole, not only small group thing, but what it might be to be a small group leader one day, even if it's a month, a half a year, or a year from now, even beyond. If you have any interest at all in what being a small group leader in Southwest might look like, you are more than invited. You are welcome to one of those. Just let us know, and we'll be able to get you that info. It'll be entirely online. Uh, second up is in about a week and a half, we are offering our second starting point of the year. Uh, we offer this uh, one, two times a month typically, and this is for uh, anyone and everyone who wants to get a good look at one, what Southwest is all about, but especially what it means to be a Jesus follower and the beliefs behind our faith and trust in Jesus himself. So the next one we're offering is on the third here at the building at seven o'clock. Uh, if you don't feel like coming to the building, we have an online Zoom option for you as well. But again, this is for maybe those who are coming to the Southwest for the first time. Um, maybe you've come for a while and never made it, or maybe you came years and years ago and you're like, you know what? I'd like to come again. Uh, everyone is welcome to that. Uh, last piece is in a couple weekends, we are doing a community food drive, not just for Southwest, although we are hosting it uh, in support of the SCAC. That's the Springboro Community Assistance Center. Uh, we typically do this on an annual basis, and we always do like a fun little tie into Super Bowl weekend. And once we figure out after tonight what those teams are going to be playing in the big game, then we'll kind of let you in on more details. But as far as what to bring here in a couple weekends, um, that can be one on this slide, but also if you go to our website, all the information is there, as well as in our weekly Friday email. So that's kind of the big news around here. So if you would just kind of uh, get into a prayerful spirit, and we'll hear this final message series in the Roll Up Your Sleeve series. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. As we continue uh, our uh, day of, of prayers and praise, we want to pause and praise God for our most recent baptism here at Southwest and our newest member, uh, Emily Townsend. Uh, yesterday, was, Emily was baptized into Christ and committed to membership here at Southwest. And so we are so grateful that Emily had made that decision to surrender to Jesus and to follow him and be baptized, and we're grateful for that. And, uh, you know, last Sunday we had a baptism Sunday. Actually, no one was baptized during the week, but uh, on Sunday, but Emily was baptized during the week, and that's great. And we've said many times, and we'll continue to say, uh, that you don't have to wait for a baptism Sunday to be baptized. We have water ready every week. And not only do we have water ready every weekend, we also have it heated. So you don't have to worry about being like this guy and having to dress like this for your baptism, okay? Now, while we're thinking about colder weather, I want to thank all of you who weathered the cold this past Monday as we partnered with other churches in the community and had a special uh, prayer gathering to, to remember the words and life of Dr. King, and as we prayed together for unity within our community, unity within our nation. And uh, let's continue to pray for that kind of unity. And let's be an example to the world around us that through unified hearts, and unified efforts, we can make a real difference because I believe that. 
And I think it starts with us, and it starts in the church. This morning, we're wrapping up a four-week message series entitled, Roll Up Your Sleeves. And in this series, we've examined the inspiring example of leadership of a guy in the Bible named Nehemiah. We've read about this Jewish leader who, and we've been building the, the blocks, building up the wall here on stage, and we talked about in our first week of series that as a Jewish leader, he first of all had to recognize the ruins that existed in Jerusalem with the wall being torn down and the gates being in shambles. And then we talked about the next week about how that it started with him and a call to let's rebuild that wall. And then last week, we talked about the importance, even in the face of opposition, to rise up and for us all to do our part to rebuild and strengthen, and and that's what Nehemiah called the people to, to unify their efforts to complete the wall, and they did, and we talked about that last week. Today, we want to conclude this series by looking at some important life lessons that we need to remember. Now, do I have it correct this time last week? The word was upside down when I flipped it, okay? So, I want to make sure, but this week we want to talk about the importance to remember the lessons from this story, to apply it to our life, to remember some very important things. In fact, we're going to come back to that word remember at the end in a very important way. Now, throughout this series, we've We've made parallels between Nehemiah, who lived approximately 2,500 years ago, and our current desire to see the work of God within Southwest Church to be strengthened and fortified. We've talked honestly through this series about the long-reaching effects of this ongoing pandemic that we find ourselves in. We've talked about how that some of the challenges that have existed from this pandemic have been a challenge for churches. They've been a challenge for us as a church, for us to remain focused, to be unified in our efforts. We've talked about the importance of regaining the momentum that we had before this pandemic began. And we've talked about really strengthening our faith and but strengthening our church body as we go forward together. We've been committed to learn from Nehemiah as we've looked at his leadership, how we can, in turn, regain that momentum, strengthen the church, and fortify our vision for the future. So with that said, let's pray, and let's pray that we will truly apply the lessons of this book as we conclude this series today, but that we'll take to heart some lessons we need to remember once this series is over. So with that said, let's pray. Father, we praise you that you're a great God. We confess at times, God, that we take our eyes off of you. We begin to look within for answers. We begin to look to the challenges and the problems we're facing individually or as a people. Father, remind us not to do that. We thank you for Scripture. And that how in Scripture we can see great examples of people of faith, that we can learn from their lives. We can take to heart the lessons that we can learn from them. We pray that there'll be more Nehemiahs in our church, 
There'll be more Nehemiahs in our community and in our nation. We pray that we will all truly take to heart the lessons that we can learn from this great book, that we'll take to heart the example of Nehemiah, and that we'll apply the things that we read today to our hearts, to our lives, and to our church family. Father, we ask that you'll show up, whether it be in the people's hearts that are gathered in this room, or whether it be the people that are watching this live stream video. We pray, Father, that you'll break through and speak to every heart and draw every heart to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yes, we see in Nehemiah an example that's worthy to imitate. We see in Nehemiah's life and his work that God worked in a miraculous way to bring about a a, a people that were truly unified. And the Lord enabled the people to do something that was truly miraculous. We talked last week how that they built the entire wall around Jerusalem in 52 days. Quite a miracle. And that the Jewish people would would never, Nehemiah was concerned as the wall was built, he shifted from the physical rebuilding of the wall, he shifted to a focus of making sure that the people's lives were spiritually fortified, that they would always remember the lessons that they'd learned during that rebuilding of the wall, and that they wouldn't allow themselves to slip back into old habits. In fact, Nehemiah leans into God's power through prayer and the reading of Scripture, and and the people, as a result, their hearts are moved. So let's pick up the reading where we left off last week. In fact, we're going to read the the last verse we read last week. It'll be the first verse we read this week. It's chapter 9, verse 38. If you've got one of the Nehemiah journals, I've seen a number of people bring those in and, and take notes during the message. We've still got some extra ones out there. We want to encourage you to do that. It's page 48 of the Nehemiah journal. But Nehemiah 9, 38, because of all this, we make a firm covenant in writing. On the sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. On the seals, chapter 10, verse 1, are the names of Nehemiah the governor. In chapter 10, Nehemiah and the other Jewish leaders, the priests, the Levites, they call the people together and they make this covenant with God and with each other. And the leaders seal the covenant with their signatures. And then in turn, they call the people to commit themselves to the written covenant that they made. We read later in verse 28 of chapter 10, And I'm going to read this time from the New Living Translation, but if you're reading the English Standard Version, you can follow along. It's similar, but just a little bit different wording. Then the rest of the people, the priests, Levites, gatekeepers, singers, temple servants, and all who had separated themselves from the pagan people of the land in order to obey the law of God, together with their wives, sons, daughters, and all who were old enough to understand, joined their leaders and bound themselves with an oath. They swore a curse on themselves if they failed to obey the law of God as issued by his servant Moses. They solemnly promised to carefully follow all the commands, regulations, 
and decrees of the Lord our Lord. What a powerful moment. Nehemiah gathers all the people together, and they make this written covenant that they are going to be obedient to God's Word. They're going to be obedient to all the the laws and the statutes that were commanded to them by God that are written in the book of Moses, which was probably the first five books of of the Old Testament. Maybe they were just reading from Deuteronomy, the fifth book, which is the rereading of the covenant. And if you're following along in the English Standard Version journal that we've passed out during this series, you'll see that this is even subtitled, Obligations of the Covenants. You see, this covenant made a difference in the lives of these people. It made a difference in their relationships with each other. Likewise, here at Southwest, from the very beginning of our existence as a church, we have an established church covenant. And we ask everyone that wants to commit to membership to to actually sign the covenant card. We believe that this covenant card is an important building block to help grow the people of Southwest, to help grow the church, but also to help maintain the unity of what God's doing in the life of the church. We work really hard at at making sure we get those back to people. And honestly, last year we got behind and, and uh, we've mailed out a number of those last week. Hopefully, you've, if you've signed such a card and became a member here at Southwest, hopefully you've received that in the mail. If not, let me know. We've still got a few that we're trying to get signatures on, but we're trying to get those back to everyone. And with the Southwest Covenant card, that we spell out a commitment for each member. And I just want to hit the, the four headings of those commitments. The first commitment is to become a member of Southwest, the person commits to protecting the unity of the church family, to accept personal responsibility of being a member of Southwest, to serve the ministry by discovering gifts and talents, and fourthly, to support the testimony of the church by attending, giving, and setting an example of God living for others. Now here at Southwest, we take that covenant seriously. Southwest leaders, just like Nehemiah and the leaders of his day, we take our covenant very seriously. In fact, this past week, I was able, had the privilege to gather with all the elders of the leadership team and our ministry staff, and we did what we do every January, our first meeting of the year. We took some time and we walked through the leader's covenant, and we read every Bible verse that went along with it. And we challenged ourselves and we asked ourselves, how are we doing? Are we living up to the commitment that we've made to the members at Southwest? We do that every January. And we also recommit ourselves for another year that for every new member, like Emily Townsend was baptized yesterday, we are going to make that same commitment to every member. You see, we take our covenant seriously. And we want to encourage every member at Southwest to do the same. Maybe just as the leaders every January do that practice, maybe that would be a good practice for every member. So maybe if you've misplaced your covenant card, look for it. Or or if you never got it back, let me know. Because we think it's important that we really center on that covenant commitment we're making. 
Now, if you read through the entire covenant described in verses 30 to 39 that Nehemiah and the leaders and the people made back in that day, and you can read that in chapter 10, which is page 50 of the journal, you can see that they are committing themselves to some, to some specific things. And I'm going to give you just three broad categories. These are very general, very broad categories that you would describe all that's listed in verses 30 through 39. You might want to go back and read that. But the first one that I'll highlight was that of having, uh, be careful of who they associated with, to not be put in a compromising uh, situation by who they spend time with, who they are even married to, and their companions. The Bible says bad company corrupts good character. That's a principle you can take to heart. But also to not compromise the priorities of maintaining their observances of certain practices that God had ordained, like continuing the Sabbath. And to not forget their financial obligation by continuing the practice of supporting God's work through tithes and offerings. You see, these were the the broad general categories of what the people were committing themselves to. Now, on that last focus, and, and by the way, uh, as, as we mentioned, the, the contributing tithes, I, I just want to say thank you to those of you who are regularly and, and generously giving here at Southwest. This week, uh, in fact, it's already been filmed, our finance chair, uh, uh, Jamie Belanger, has recorded a, a, the first quarterly update for 2021. He shares about the victories we had as a church at the end of 2020. He talks about our goals, our, our projected target financially each week in 2021, and where that money is going toward. And, and I think you'll be encouraged. I'm encouraged as I've heard Jamie share that with our leaders, and you'll be encouraged. So that video will be available early this week. It'll be on our YouTube channel but also, I want to encourage you, we'll be sending out an email to highlight that. We just want to thank you for those of you who are giving generously because your generosity is making a difference. Now, our focus today is not to list all the commands of the covenant or all the laws of the Old Testament because the truth is, if you did that, there are over 600 commands in the Old Testament. That's not our focus today. Our focus is on this idea of covenant, this covenant between God and human beings and between human beings and God and, and each other. And this is a good opportunity to share that next week, we're going to be examining the covenant of grace. As we wrap up this series, next week, we're going to start a new series entitled The Rhythms of Grace. I'm so grateful that on this side of of Jesus and this side of the cross and the resurrection, that Jesus has taken those 600 commands of the Old Testament and he's boiled it down to two important ones. He says, the, you know, if these are the two that everything hangs on. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor. So starting next week, focusing on that call to love, love God and love others, we're going to talk about some, some rhythms of grace in response to that. And how we can live that out 
I'm really excited about this series. In fact, we, we planned this about a month ago, and we hadn't even started this series yet. And, and I told our staff, I said, I want to start the year with this one. But we'd already planned the Nehemiah, and I'm glad we have. But, but next week's going to be good. We want to encourage you to come back. We want to encourage you to invite others to join us. Now, with that said, let's go back to Nehemiah. Immediately following the sealing of this written com- covenant, We read in Nehemiah's memoir, which is a way to view his book, that the people gathered for a wall dedication. We read about this in chapter 11, or if you're following along in the journal, page 52, Nehemiah records this. Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine out of ten remained in the other towns. Now, did you catch what's happening here? Even though they go to this great effort to build the wall around this city of Jerusalem to to protect it and to fortify it and to keep it safe from outside intruders, the truth of it is that only a small fraction of the Jewish people actually lived in Jerusalem. Only one-tenth. The rest of the Jewish people were still scattered and lived in other places. And yet, as we see, as they're ready to dedicate the wall, Nehemiah and his leadership calls all the people back to the city so that they can celebrate together that the wall is finished and to dedicate that wall. As we shared last week, as we continue to go forward in this pandemic here at Southwest as we keep trying to make parallels between Nehemiah and us in our time, we talked about how that we have to recognize that although I'm encouraged by those who've started regathering and worshiping in person, that the majority of Southwest are still watching and participating in our services at home through the live stream. And for those of you who are watching now, we're glad you've stayed connected. We want to encourage you to continue to do so. But as we talked last week, we want to continue to make it safe. We want to continue to encourage people to regather, to, to gather together to, for times of celebration. You know, there's just something about being in the same room that just makes the celebration better. There's something about being in the same room that singing together is, is better. And so we want to encourage as many as possible. We know that some have pre-existing conditions and there's reasons why you maybe at this time don't feel safe to come back. But we're going to continue to make great effort to keep this a safe place. And we want to encourage you to come back and worship with us. Now with that said... The truth is, even after this pandemic's long gone, we're going to continue to live stream. Live streaming isn't going to go away. And we think that it's an important tool that we can continue to utilize. And in fact, I want to encourage you to begin to view our live streaming not just as an opportunity for those that can't be here in person, that's good, but also as a tool to share with others of what God's doing in the life of the church. Last, last week, during our 11 o'clock hour, we had a new family come to Southwest that had never been here before, and, and it was thrilling. I loved meeting them. In fact, I hope I didn't scare them away. I was so excited to see a new family. I, you know, I told them my life story and wanted to hear theirs, and so I hope I didn't scare them away. But, but, but the truth of it is, 
what they shared with me is that they had watched two or three live streams before they came to their first service here. And I think in the world that we live, that's going to be more and more the case. And so I want to encourage you, if you, if you hear a message, if you're part of a worship here at Southwest, maybe you're even in person and you're going, man, that was good. Man, that really spoke to me. And maybe even think of somebody that the message would speak to them. I want to encourage you to view the, the, the live stream as an opportunity to share that link with others so that they could experience it as well. Now, with that said, let's keep reading about this dedication in Nehemiah's day in verse 27. And we'll read this from the New Living Translation because I just think it's a really easy to understand translation here on this point. But it says in verse 27, For the dedication of the new wall of Jerusalem, the Levites throughout the land were asked to come to Jerusalem to assist in the ceremonies. They were to take part in the joyous occasions with their songs of thanksgiving and with the music of cymbals, harps, and liars. We see here an important principle for us to consider. And that's the important po- lesson of not simply settling to be a spectator in times of worship or celebration, but to be a participant. You see, it's easy to come in here and the band singing a new song, and, and, and they're good. You know, I'm grateful for the, the talented musicians and talented singers we have here at Southwest. But it's easy to kick into spectator mode and just watch instead of joining in and being a participant. I think this is especially true when you're at home watching live stream. I want to encourage you, though, don't kick into that spectator mode. Instead, remain an active participant. I know when my wife and I were quarantined with uh, with. COVID back in November, I mean, we sang out as we watched the services at home. And I know that we've got some issues with our cameras. At times, they shake during the music. We're trying to fix that. We've got consultants coming in. Bear with us. We're going to get that fixed. But the truth of it is, even though I sang out, it's better to be here in person, I believe. But for those of you who need to be at home, I want to encourage you, sing out. Maybe even if those of you who play an instrument, you can get it out. Participate in that time of celebration. Now let's continue in verse 31. Then I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall and appointed two great choirs that gave thanks. One went to the south on the wall to the Dung Gate. Okay, that's probably where they would put the people that had COVID that couldn't smell, okay, anymore. But verse 38, the other choir of those who gave thanks went to the north, and I followed them with half of the people on the wall above the tower of the oven to the broad wall. What do you see? The wall, which at one time had been in shambles, is now this fortified wall that they can not only celebrate around and near, they can actually stand on top of the wall to celebrate. The text says that Nehemiah got half of the people up on the wall. Now remember, this is the wall that earlier in the book, when Nehemiah is facing opposition from some of the people that thought it was a bad idea to rebuild the wall. They even taunted the crowd, people like Sanballat and Tobiah, and they said the wall would collapse even if a fox walked along the top of it. 
Well, that's not the case now. It's a fortified, sturdy structure. And half of an entire tribe of Israel are on top of the wall singing praises and celebrating God. Now, after serving as the governor of Jerusalem for 12 years, Nehemiah, sometime between chapter 12 and 13, is called back to Persia where the story had begun. And while the governor is away, well, maybe you've heard the saying, when the cat's away, what? The mice will play. And that's exactly what happens. As Nehemiah is in Persia, possibly as long as two years, the people begin to slip back into old habits and old practices. They forget about the covenant they had vowed to keep. And it's, they've really fallen back into old patterns that were quite disgusting. Honestly, this is one of my deepest concerns for Christians during this season of pandemic. One of my deepest concerns is for people that legitimately need to be watching live stream, for those who legitimately might find it difficult to be in person for a small group. I think it's real easy to just get lulled into a, a, a spectator mode and, and honestly to give in to laziness and to not continue to make great effort to really give of ourselves to spiritual disciplines like reading the Bible and praying, gathering with other people. I think it's real easy to, to fall back into some old patterns and old practices. This is a concern I have for many during this season. And I want to urge you, don't let that happen. For those of you who maybe are being really careful and you need to be, then I want to encourage you to take every advantage of live stream. Get involved in a small group that does participates by Zoom. Don't use the circumstances you're facing as an excuse to not grow spiritually. Do not use that as an excuse to, to, to be lulled back into old practices. That was what happened to the people of Israel when Nehemiah was away. And sadly, as we begin reading the final chapter of Nehemiah's memoir, we read once again the practices of a wayward people. In fact, over a relatively short period of time, the people began to be more influenced by the people that they were supposed to be influencing. Instead of being an example to those that God wanted them to be an example, they were instead being influenced by them. And as an example of that, one of the guys that had been a critic of Nehemiah, a guy named Tobiah, begins to have such an influence on the Jewish people that the high priest actually builds an apartment for him inside the temple. Can you imagine? That would be like us as a church saying, let's give some office space to someone that's really opposing what we stand for as a church. Let's give them some office space in our building. That wouldn't make any sense, right? That's what the people did. Well, Nehemiah founds out about it. <laughs> Let's see how he responds. Nehemiah 13, verse 6. I was not in Jerusalem at that time. Nehemiah wants to make clear, this didn't happen on my watch, okay? 
He says, I was not in Jerusalem at that time, for I had returned to King Artaxerxes of Babylon in the 32nd year of the reign, though I later asked his permission to return. When I arrived back in Jerusalem, I learned about Elisha's evil deed in providing Tobiah with a room in the courtyards of the temple of God. Verse 8, I became very upset and threw all of Tobiah's belongings out of the room. Then I demanded that the rooms be purified, and I brought back the articles for God's temple, the grain offerings and the frankincense. I love this guy, Nehemiah. I mean, he's this strong, passionate leader. And when he learns what's happening back in Jerusalem, even though he was back serving the king of Persia, Artaxerxes, and by the way, since Persia had conquered the Babylonians, They are now reigning over all that area that at one time had been controlled by Babylon. And possibly even at this time, because the Persian king had several different capitals, possibly at this time Nehemiah was living not in uh, Persia, which is modern-day Iran, as we started this story, but maybe he's living in Babylon, which would be modern-day Iraq. And that's where he hears of what's happened in Jerusalem. But you have to admire the the strength, the passion of Nehemiah. Because once he learns that things have gone south rather quickly, he decides to go into action. As one writer put it, passivity is an enemy. Well, Nehemiah is anything but passive. And in fact, trying to describe the character of Nehemiah One of the writers that I've been reading during this series, an author named Charles Swindoll, who wrote a book a number of years ago about Nehemiah called Hand Me Another Brick. Swindoll, as he describes Nehemiah's example, he points to the example of the famous composer Ludwig van Beethoven. Now, personally, as I was reading uh, uh, Swindoll's book on Nehemiah, this illustration really grabbed me. Because I've recently realized that I really like Beethoven. I really like his music. Go figure, you know. I know some of you are surprised too. But, you know, for a guy that was a high school band dropout and is pretty much tone deaf, it's, it's been fascinating. Over the past several years, I've found that I really like classical music. And in fact, when I read or when I'm studying, preparing for a message, I put in my earphones and I listen to Pandora and And I have found that when I'm listening to classical music, I can really focus. But I've also found as I'm listening to classical music, when songs, I go, man, I really like that. Every time I check, it's it's a selection of Beethoven. So I've discovered I'm a, a Beethoven fan. But Swindoll had this to say about Beethoven. He says, Beethoven was a genius. And yet he had to deal with his own tragedy. Beethoven, who studied under Haydn and Mozart in his 20s, over time became a prolific composer. During his lifetime, he wrote nine majestic symphonies and five concertos for piano, not to mention chamber music, sonatas, and pieces for violin and piano. The problem was that during his 20s, Beethoven began to lose his hearing. By his 50s, he was stone deaf. 
On one occasion, Beethoven was overheard shouting at the top of his voice as he slammed both fists on the keyboard, I will take life by the throat. He had determined not to give in to his challenge. Those who have studied his life believe the great challenge of deafness and his fierce attitude in the face of it led him to be even more productive than he would have been in the past. Well, Nehemiah takes the problem at hand by the throat. And we read in verse 9 that Nehemiah threw Tobiah's stuff out into the street. And then he had the rooms purified. Did you notice it went from Tobiah's room to rooms? It appears that things had deteriorated to the point that Tobiah, this opponent of God's work, now has a whole suite of rooms in the temple courts, in the temple area. Now, with that said, Nehemiah not only purges the bad out of the temple, he fills it with good things, doesn't he? When Tobias uh, would have returned to his suite, what would he have found? He would have found his room filled with grain. You see, here we see a good principle that I think is truly an application we can make because, you see, in the New Testament, followers of Jesus are told that their body, their life is a temple of the living God. What do we find happened in God's temple in Nehemiah's day? Bad stuff had crept in. So what did Nehemiah do? He threw out the bad stuff. He purged it. But then he replaced it with good stuff. I think sometimes Christians fall short because they only try to get the bad out and they don't try to fill what was the void with good. You see, if we want to replace the habit of gossip, then not only do we need to stop gossiping, we need to replace it with being an encourager and encouraging words. If we want to replace the habit of self-gratification, then maybe we need to lean into the discipline of fasting to learn the importance of self-denial. If we want to replace the habit of eating or drinking too much, maybe we need to lean into the discipline of nutrition and exercise and to really pray, asking God to help us. You see, it's not just enough to purge the bad stuff. We need to fill it with the good. As we keep reading in verse 30, so I purged out everything foreign and and assigned tasks to the priests and Levites, making certain that each knew his work. I also made sure that the supply of wood for the altar and the first portion of the harvest were brought at the proper times. Remember this in my favor, oh my God. As I read this closing of the book, I really wrestled with how Nehemiah ended his memoir. And I really tried to make sense, why did Why did Nehemiah close this great book with all this great stories, all this great stuff we talked about? And he closes it with, remember this in my favor. Is he pointing to the wall? What does he mean? Now, at first glance, it appears that Nehemiah was expecting to receive a reward from the Lord for what he had done in rebuilding the wall. 
And yet I kept thinking there's got to be more to this phrase because it's mentioned three times in this final chapter. The way the English Standard Version reads, remember me, oh my God, for good. Remember this, remember me. Why didn't Nehemiah repeat that three times? I really wrestled with it. In fact, I I read every commentary I could find on Nehemiah. What does this verse mean, and why did he close the whole book with it? And is there something, because when something's repeated in Scripture, you think it's there for a reason, right? And so what is it that I need to really take to heart about this last closing phrase, remember me, oh my God? didn't seem consistent with what we'd learned about Nehemiah, this great leader who was to develop God's honor. He was devoted to God's honor. He was more concerned with doing what is right than being reelected as governor. He worked tirelessly. He, he stood up against opposition. He grabbed life by the throat. Why would he be crying out the end of his book? Why would he be crying out for brownie points from God saying, bless me, God. Look at what I've done. Then it dawned on me that I'd been reading the sentence wrong. Instead of Nehemiah saying, oh God, remember me for my good, or remember me for the good I've done, I think Nehemiah is saying, please never forget me. Please remember me for good, God. You know, I started saying, I need to read it differently. You know, we use that phrase in English even. We say, you know, I'm, I'm married for good. What does that mean? I'm married forever. I'm two classes away being done with school for good, okay? I'm excited about that. I think that's what Nehemiah is saying. Remember me for good. As we fast forward to Jesus' ministry he taught the first followers, his first followers that when they'd really accomplished something good, he said, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. As Nehemiah had spent years keeping records in his book, you can read about it in chapter 11 and 12 of everyone who had opposed him, everyone who'd helped him, every Jewish person who'd taken a post along the wall, everyone who'd played a trumpet or a cymbal would celebrate the dedication of the wall. And I think in the midst of all that, in the midst of how often Israel would backslide, I think that, that Nehemiah knew in his heart that the wall probably wouldn't last. But I think at the end, Nehemiah is saying, I just want to be in God's book forever. I want to be in God's book of life. And as we go back and read this statement, remember me, we see it in a different way. We see it as a prayer, as a petition. And in fact, one of the other readings in this last chapter, we realize it's not a boastful statement. It's a prayer for help deliverance, and salvation. Verse 22, for this also remember me, my God, and have compassion on me according to the greatness of your mercy. Here we see Nehemiah humbly acknowledging his need for God to extend him mercy and compassion. 
This is my prayer. This is our prayer at Southwest every week as we take communion. I don't know if you've ever thought about it. As we take communion, we aren't saying to God, remember me because I've taken communion every week. Instead, we're saying, as we remember God's love, as we remember God's calling in our life, remember us, O Lord. Not because we deserve it, but because of your grace, because of your compassion, because of your mercy. Let's approach this time of communion remembering God's love for us. But let's view it as a time to acknowledge our need for him and a prayer to him for help, for salvation, and for deliverance. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your incredible love. And during this time of communion, as we remember your son and the gift he is to our life, as we remember him and his body and his blood that was shed for us, help our hearts be drawn to you and your love for us. But Father, also in this faith act, we acknowledge our desperate need for you in our life. We ask you to remember us. We thank you for the mercy, the grace, and the compassion you extend to us in Christ. Fill our hearts with that remembrance now as we take this communion together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. hope this time of remembrance will set our path for this week as we seek to honor God in everything that we do. We're wrapping up this series today. We'll start a new series next week, but we'd love for you to go to our app. We have a couple poll questions. I share with you my favorite type of music. I'd love to hear from you yours, but also we'd love to get your feedback. Did this series of messages help you? As we plan series and work hard on them. We want them to be meaningful and helpful to you. And so we'd love to get your feedback as we wrap up this series. Last thing I want to leave you with, maybe some of you are sitting here today going, you know, I've been coming here for some time, but I've never committed to membership. Maybe you'd like to learn more about how you can sign that covenant card and be a, a recognized member here at Southwest. We offer a class we call Starting Point. 
The next one will be February 3rd. I want to encourage you to come to that. Maybe for some of you, you've never made that initial decision to follow Jesus and be baptized. We talk about that as well. But we'd love for you to set that in your calendar and make plans to come either in person or on, on live stream. With that said, let's stand and sing one final song to, as we just focus on the one that we're following, as we focus on the God that we seek to honor with everything. <laughs>